You're listening to Teach Me the Bible podcast, where we unpack the meaning of books, passages, and themes from Scripture. Join us each week as our guests walk us through the truth of God's Word and teach us the Bible. This is Teach Me the Bible podcast. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Teach Me the Bible podcast. My name is Phil. I'm joined today by David Klingler. Uh, good. Good man, I'll tell you this. I've only grown to know you a little bit, David, but um, it, it is incredible just to have someone with, I think, your resources and uh, your knowledge to teach people uh, the Bible. And today we're going to talk about a really important topic, which comes from really the heart before we start this story. And we talked about this earlier, but it's just about really zeroing in on the Bible. And so uh, tell us a little bit more about that. I'm not really sure. Uh, what I'm in store for today, but um, let's start there. You know, years ago, I um, was a, I had played in the NFL. I had retired from that, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up. I knew that football wasn't a career. Uh, a buddy of mine named Vody Bacham, he was after me. He had always been after me to go to seminary. And I wanted to learn the Bible. Um, and I didn't know what that meant. Um, I, I heard preachers preach, often uh, they would preach the same passage, two different uh, pastors preach the same passage, and it, they'd be totally different. And I'm thinking, no, wait a second, how does this work? And I'd, I'd open up the Bible, and it, it, it didn't really make any sense. And and um, and so years later, I, uh, I enrolled in seminary, walked into my first class, uh, and a, a Bible professor, his name was Charlie Bayless, Taught, uh, started in Genesis, and for the first time, the Bible started to make sense. And mm-hmm. since then, you know, it's been uh, 20 years uh, since then, and and uh, so I've been uh, started teaching uh, at a Bible college in 2002, and then at a seminary in 2004. And and really, my motivation throughout all that time is just uh, the desire to understand in a simple way uh, what are we really talking about. No big words. No, you know, technical talk, no fluff, no, you kind of get into this, this, these discussions where people use these big words. And I'm not sure when we do that, we even know what we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. So I just want to, at a base level, what are we even talking yeah. about here? And, and so that's really been my pursuit. Um, and, and so I, I teach Bible classes, teach uh, at the seminary, um, all of our Bible courses that we offer. Um, and the students really, um, as I'm teaching, they're really uh, just listening to an inter- internal dialogue as I question my, myself about why do we believe this? What does this say? How does this, how does this work? And, and, uh, and they benefit from it. And then, then I get to benefit from their questions that they ask. And, and, and I think that we've made the Bible kind of inaccessible mm-hmm. to our average people. Um, and it shouldn't be. Uh, I always tell, tell our students, this book was written by mud farmers to mud farmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've turned yeah. it into something you've got to have a PhD to understand. But that's because we made it hard to understand. It really isn't that difficult if you know what you're looking at uh, and how it fits together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think probably the place to start is we think about the Bible. I remember thinking, you know, it's 66 books. It's overwhelming. There's so much information. There's yes. so many verses. How could anybody ever have a command of all of these verses? And uh, and I say, well, let, let's let's just start with this, that 
that the Bible tells a story. Uh, Dr. Gene Merrill, who's a huge Old Testament scholar, he said the Bible is history. It's his story. Hmm. Um, and by that, we mean that, um, uh, that, that history has been running its course from the beginning. Um, and without the creator God telling you what he's doing or telling the people what he's doing, it's hard to make sense of it. We live in a world where there's all kinds of stuff going on and, and who gets to interpret the events that are going on. You watch Fox news and you get a different narrative than if you watch CNN, everybody's got a different view. Everybody's got an opinion. Uh, And so, uh, so God is the creator of all, but um, take, for example, a simple illustration of of Jericho Uh, at the battle of Jericho, Israel's there. They, uh, they march around seven times. They blow the trumpet and, you know, and the walls fall down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a video camera there that day, oh man, uh, and and you were just watching the scene, you just videoed the scene, okay, and then you're asked to interpret it. Well, what, what do you do with that? You you don't have a context within which to understand any of the events that are going on. You don't know who these people are. Uh, you don't know why they're here. You don't know why they're marching around this city seven times. They you don't know nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and so it's the prophet who reveals the word of the Lord. Uh, the prophet reveals God's purposes and, atten- and intentions in history as to what he's doing, right? And so without the words of the prophets of the Old Testament or the apostles in the New Testament, we're really left with, left with nothing. Uh, another example, Christ's uh, death on the cross um, and an earthquake happens. Okay, well, what do we do with that? Well, um, I, I'm guessing that in the history of the world, um, that people die. I don't know what's the statistic every second. You know, I'm sure there's people who die every second. Right? We can ask Siri later, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so, um, and so we think through. Okay, there's an earthquake. Did people uh, die in an earthquake instantly? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, what do we do with that? Um, who gets to comment on the significance or is there a significance or, a, or a, an association between this event and that event? Uh, and this is where the, the, the Bible, uh, the, the words of the prophets, the words of the apostles, uh, Moses, for example, tells us not just creation, but why it mattered and what God was doing in creation, what were his purposes and intent. Because without those words, uh, we have science. We can try to learn some things about what happened at creation, that type of thing. Uh, but there's nothing that guides guides us or, or reveals uh, the Creator's purpose or intent. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the story's doing. It's it's what is God at work in His creation doing through this people of Israel? How is He revealing Himself through this people to this people for the nations? Yeah, I know we're going to obviously unlock a lot as we go along in the story. But even someone like me, so someone that's grown up in church his whole life, you know, singing B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Right. Uh, but never really understanding uh, what is in it. And I, that's what's, I think, so important about this specific topic is that you want to know more about your faith. You want to know why. You want to know the grand scheme of things. You don't want to just say, 
okay, well, Jesus died for my sins, and I, I think that's just where I'm going to leave it. There's so much more. God had a design and a plan. And I think the Bible sometimes, too, like, obviously within our world today, the context, obviously we as believers believe in this book. Uh, when you talk to unbelievers, it becomes pretty much nothing to them. They're just kind of like, why would it be significant? And I think that's something to talk to. It's just, if you're listening today and you're thinking, well, yeah, so I, I get that you say the Bible is important, but help me understand real quick why it's so important for the believer and for the unbeliever, and how do I have that conversation? We, um, you know, you said the Bible is uh, is uh, you know the book for me, or I believe the Bible, and um, you know, and so I ask questions like, what do you mean when you say? I believe the Bible or, or the Bible's the book for me or, um, and, and boy, I tell you, it is Pandora's box. Mm. I mean, people mean all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and how they use the Bible, uh, how we, um, we have memory verses. Um, I, I always ask my students, I say, how many of you can tell me John 3.16? They all can. I say, okay. Uh, how many of you can tell me John 3.17? And the place goes silent. I've had one student who memorized 316 and 317, so, so he could tell me. I said, okay, what about 18? Nothing, right? Uh, because we've, we've learned the Bible with, with individual verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really? Like what? <laughs> um, th- that's Paul talking to the Philippians, and he's not saying y'all can do all things through Christ who strengthens y'all. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, yeah. so, what does Paul mean when he says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me"? He's talking in a context, right? And so, um, you know, often, and this was my experience. I, I had um, gone through, underlined some verses that I liked, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of agreed with what I had no idea why they were there, what they were saying. I mean, I had nothing. Mm. Um, I remember reading. Um, Luke chapter 24, John chapter 5, where Jesus seems to think that the Old Testament is about him. And I'm thinking, no, no, Jesus, the, the Bible is about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this, or I know, for the Bible yeah. tells me so, right? Yes. And so, um, you know, I'd go through there and I'd find verses that applied to, quote, my life. Mm-hmm. Um and, and when we point out to our students, and this is a hard one, right, um, that you're not in the Bible. Mm. Um, you're not David. You're not King David. And, you're, and, and only King David was King David, and only King David could have stood before Goliath and won that battle that day. Why do I say that? Uh, because that's the point of the story, Right. Um, well, are you saying that I can't win my battles? I'm saying, I, you know, look, <laughs> you know, I don't even know where to begin with mm-hmm. that whole discussion. Let's just go back and, and, and let's learn the story. Um, what was God doing? And, and we, we are told what God was doing through Moses, the prophet. And Moses, the prophet is speaking to Israel, this, this nation. Well, who are they? Well, Moses has got to tell them the story of creation and how um, we went from creation. The story goes from creation all the way through the flood, all the way to this guy named Abram. And the promise that was given all the way back in Genesis chapter three is repeated 
to Abram, and, and it's going to flow throughout the story. Only then can we begin to understand where we are in the story and what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. in the story. And so uh, we've got to re-learn um, the Bible. We as the church have moved away from Bible reading and Bible understanding, uh, and we're doing a bunch of Bible study. But in our Bible studies, nobody knows the story. Mm. Nobody knows what God, and so if you don't know the story, and if you don't know what God's doing in history, uh, th- then you're just left to pick verses that you like. And the problem is, the verses I like may be exactly opposite the verses you like. And then we're going to argue about which whose verses are correct mm-hmm. when the matter when, when the truth of the matter is they're all out of context, right? Um, am I saying that the Bible is not for us? Absolutely not. Um, the Bible was not written by us. We aren't the authors of the book, right? And this seems like common sense and it's straightforward. But when an author says I, he doesn't mean us. When Paul says I exhort you, um, he doesn't mean we are exhorting anyone. Uh, when Paul says to Timothy, you, singular, He's talking to Timothy singular. He says, look out for Alexander the coppersmith. Okay, what's what's Timothy supposed to do? Um, he's supposed to look out for Alexander the coppersmith. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring me my cloak and parchments before winter. Uh, bring me cloak and parchments before winter. Um, and, and so when Paul talks to the Corinthians and he says, y'all, he's talking to the Corinthians. There's a specific issue going on there in Corinth or in Philippi or in Galatia that Paul needs to address. And so I am writing y'all to exhort y'all to do this. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so, so the Bible isn't written by us. We're not the authors. We're not the apostles or prophets. We're not Moses. We're not David. Um, you know, uh, we're not Jesus. We're mm-hmm. not Peter. We're not Paul. Uh, and we're not the Israelites of the Old Testament, so it wasn't written to us. Mm-hmm. Moses wrote the, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books, to Israel. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament books were written to Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Testament books uh, were written to specific people. Uh, Luke writes to Theophilus, for example, uh, or Paul writes to the Galatians. So, so we aren't the writer and we're not the the original recipient, but these things were written for our instruction. Because we know the story, because we know who uh, what they wrote and who they wrote to and where they were in God's history, God's story, and we know that we're in the story, not in the same place, we're later, but now that story informs us on who we are and what we're to be about here and now as we wait for the hope of every believer, which is spelled out in the story, and that is the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you mentioned something just probably two or three times now, the word context. And I think that's so valuable and important because for those that are listening and those who have been in church, I think we understand this idea of, I graduated with the verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Right. And But context if you look at that verse, has nothing to do with my graduation. It really has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the kind of my future. It was talking about something completely different. And I think, can you speak into that? Why sure. is context so valuable and important? Because I believe that's what most of us struggle with today. We, Like you said, we take a verse and then we make it our own. But why is the original meaning so much 
more beneficial. Good. So, so let's let's use that. That's a that's a, a verse that's often used. So let's let's talk about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. So let's put it in its context, and then let's talk about its application for us, right? Uh, in its context, right? So I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord of future and hope and this type of thing. Um, that's twenty nine eleven. Okay. In twenty nine one through ten, uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet uh, who is. Uh, prophesying to Israel during the time of their exile. You're going, okay, well, now i got to know what the exile is. Well, uh, Israel is told by Moses back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, chapter 32, uh, that they're going to reject the Lord. And when they reject the Lord, then the Lord is going to judge them. This, these curses he's going to pour out upon the nation. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. He's going to disperse them among the nations, uh, and he's going to, uh, you know, send war and plagues and death and sickness and all this stuff upon them. Um, and, uh, and so this is what's happening, right? Um, so Jeremiah is pronouncing 70 years of judgment on Israel for their rebellion, for their rejection of the Lord. Uh, and so he tells them, uh, pack your bags. Uh, you're going to Babylon. Um, you know, marry, settle down, have house, you know, <laughs> have kids. You know, pray for the uh, for the city of Babylon because so it goes for them, so it will go for you. And uh, and so you're going to be there for seventy years. Now, um, one of the the prophets that was hauled off to Babylon in the first group of prophets that left was the prophet Daniel. Hmm. Uh, and so Daniel, uh, this is in 605 BC, Daniel is hauled off to Babylon. Now, uh, in Daniel's uh, book, the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, Daniel's writing now after the 70 years. 70 years have passed. So I don't know how old he was when he left. Let's say, I don't know, he was a, a kid. Let's say he was seven, eight years old, right? He's now 78. Uh, he's approaching 80. I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord, a future and a hope. You're going to walk back to Babylon and rebuild the city? Well, I'm not walking anywhere. I'm, I'm 52, and I'm too lazy to get off the porch. I don't want to go build anything, right? Is that what we're talking? No, that's not what we're talking about. Now, it even goes past that. So so in Daniel chapter 9, Jeremiah, uh, Daniel is reading the place where Jeremiah the prophet said 70 years. And he says, Lord, 70 years is up. We're going back to the land, right? Uh, and the Lord, through the angel, says no, uh, because in the law, back in Deuteronomy chapter 26, this is another blessings and curses chapter, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, uh, the Lord said, if you do not follow me, if I judge you and you don't repent, then I will pour out my judgment upon you sevenfold for your sins, sevenfold, sevenfold, sevenfold. And so Israel is judged for 70 years. They don't return to the Lord. And so now 77s have been declared for you and for your people, right? Seven times 70. Now what's Daniel's hope? There is no hope. Oh, yes, there is. Because that was never the hope of the story. The hope of the story all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 was always resurrection from the dead. Hmm. The Christ would come, uh, he would, uh, would resurrect from the dead, and he would fix all that was lost, right? And so this was the hope of the Old Testament believer. And so at the end of the book, Daniel was told, enter into your rest, Daniel, and rise again in the last day for your allotted portion, for your inheritance. This is the hope of every believer, right? So our hope, your hope, my hope is not in 
graduation. It's not in, you know, a new car, a better job. You know, I know the plans I have for you, uh, cash money and to win the lottery. That's not what he's talking about. Mm. The story, the hope of every believer in this story is resurrection from the dead. Their hope was that. Our hope was that. Right. Uh, and so this is the story that's being told. So, so once we know the broader context of the whole story, and then I ask you, okay, do you have a hope? Uh, yes. Paul, do you have a hope in the Lord? Absolutely. What is the hope of the Lord? The return of Christ, resurrection from the dead, eternal life. We just, we just celebrated that yesterday mm-hmm. uh, or Sunday. Uh, Easter Sunday is a, that, that is our, our celebration always that because Christ was raised, so we will be raised. So mm-hmm. we do know the plans that he has for us, plans for a future and a hope. But it's not the future and hope that I think that we often think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a um, temporal, better life now reward. That's never been the future and the hope in the Bible, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and so understanding that context of that whole story, and then the future and hope for every believer in every place throughout the story has always been the return of the one who would remove the curses from Genesis chapter 3 and establish the kingdom. Hmm. That's our hope. Hmm. Now, that's a better deal. And we also recognize in that uh, that uh, in the context now of this present age, we can understand what Paul's saying. Uh, that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, will be persecuted. Hmm. Rejoice in your tribulations because we have hope. What hope? Uh, the hope of the return of Christ. We mourn when someone dies, but believers don't mourn like those who have no hope, hmm. a future and a hope. It's the same hope throughout the whole story. Hmm. Right? So can I put Jeremiah twenty nine eleven on my wall? I'm okay with that. Uh, but, uh, there's this, uh, Inigo Montoya. Do you know this name? Princess Bride. Um, <laughs> he says, uh, he, uh, there's this, this line that he says, uh, you know, that another character in the movie is saying inconceivable. And he says, you keep, you keep saying that word. I, I don't think it means what you think it means, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's Jeremiah 29 11. You, yeah. you keep reciting that verse. I, I don't think that verse means what you think it means. Yeah. And I think that you've made it mean something much smaller than what it is, mm-hmm. right? That our hope is resurrection from the dead, eternal life. It's not temporal stuff. Yeah. And I, when I hear you say that and I hear you speak, it's just, it, that's what this is all about. It's so empowering. It's not just saying a phrase and kind of, you know, hitting it, hoping it's going to be a home run. You, you're, you're starting to understand the pieces behind it all. And those pieces give me power and like, like knowledge, wisdom, more than I've ever had before and right. encourages me to go, Oh my gosh, God is still at work. He did have an incredible plan. And the more I know about this plan, the more I think in me personally, I begin to believe and my faith begins to rise yes. because I understand. And I know you use that all the time. Yes. Faith. faith seeking understanding. We talked about it last week and, and, and we, we, we begin by faith. Uh, and I think that for a young believer, um, it's scary because we don't know what we believed in. You know, uh, the, the, the Lord, uh, you know, talking with uh, the man, the man says, Lord, uh, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Um, and, and I think that's all of our experiences as we start as new believers. Uh, we have faith 
do we really believe this? Mm-hmm. Can we really count on the promises of God, resurrection from the dead, eternal life? Jesus dies for my sins. I don't know. That's a big pill to swallow. I, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And over the years, uh, I have found uh, that the phrase that has been used throughout church history, faith-seeking understanding, that as I understand that which I have believed, I, I think my definition of faith changes. It is assurance. Mm. And faith turns to conviction. Mm. Um, I, I remember when I went to seminary, people were saying, if you go to seminary, it's gonna, you're going to question your faith even more. I found the opposite to be true. Um, I, I now see why Paul can say things like to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm. Um, if this is true, we have nothing to fear. This story, uh, God's story, his story, as told by the apostles and prophets, accounts for all of history. It accounts for everything that's happened, and it makes sense. This is a reasonable faith. You can't reason your way to the faith, but it is a reasonable faith. And so I'm to the point now where I I sometimes wake up and I think, I I have no doubt. Am I self-deluded? Or is this what it's really about, that we get to the point where we can stand before the lions in the Colosseum and not blink, sing hymns as the martyrs did and were devoured? with every assurance that their faith would be rewarded uh, a future hope. So, so, so I, I would, I want all of our believers, all of our people to move from a faith that is unsure, unstable, untaught. That's the language that Peter uses in second Peter to a, an assured faith. Uh, the, the, the apostles uh, talk about a true knowledge of him that you would grow in the true knowledge of him. Because with that true knowledge uh, comes conviction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and if, if we're going to be a church uh, that, that stands in the world uh, with conviction in, in the face of unbelievable adverse, uh, you know, ad- adversity, um, then this is the trail we have to go. Mm-hmm. Well, today has been uh, incredible. Just dive into just an overview of just the Bible. And uh, I appreciate your time. And I know everybody listening is just, if you're like me and you're listening, you're ready for what's next. Because you know there's a journey ahead, but that journey comes with so much for my faith, uh, for knowledge, for wisdom. And I'm just very appreciative of that. Any last words before? So, so yeah, so next week, uh, let's start in the Bible. We're going to start in Genesis. We're going to put this story together. And uh, and it's the greatest story ever told. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dave, for your time. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to Teach Me the Bible podcast. For more information, download our app. If you have any questions or desire to continue our discussion from today's topic, send an email to teachmethebible at championfellowship.org. Remember, your belief drives your behavior. See you next time.